Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. Today, I want to label my thoughts with this phrase, a thanksgiving praise. We've looked at a few different things so far uh, concerning thanksgiving, and today I want to draw your attention to this psalm. Now, there's not a whole lot that we know about this psalm's background. Now, sometimes you'll read a psalm, and the superscription will tell us, you know, this was a psalm of David, and he wrote it during this season of his life. This psalm, in fact, the, the um, superscription says a psalm of praise. So the only thing we know about this psalm, we have no idea who wrote it. Some people can, can speculate, but, but we have no clue exactly because the Bible doesn't say specifically. But what we do know is that this was a psalm written down by an individual many, many years ago. And the purpose of this song or this psalm was to be a song of praise to God. So this week, as we enter into the week of Thanksgiving, I believe that we should just lift up our voices, lift up our hearts in praise to Jesus Christ, to Him only. Now, by means of introduction, I decided uh, the other day I wanted to Google the top 10 things that people are thankful for. And this is the first link that popped up on Google, okay? So these are 10 things to be thankful for on Thanksgiving. I believe this article was written in 2016, so just a few years ago. But it says, number one, family. And yeah, we should be thankful for family. Um, Sometimes we are thankful that, that God gave us the strength not to kill each other <laughs> on Thanksgiving Day. Number two, America. We are the land of the free. We ought to be thankful that we're living here today to experience all the great freedoms we have. Number three, friends. Sometimes we enjoy friendsgiving more than thanksgiving. Um, don't know why, but we do sometimes. Number four, I thought this was really interesting, food. We ought to be thankful for food, but we need to be reminded that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Number five, um, this might be uh, uh, some of y'all's most to be thankful for because of all your children that you might have. But leftover Halloween candy. <laughs> Who's more excited about Halloween, the kids or the parents? <laughs> Number six, Christmas break. I believe Pastor Dave is a little bit more excited about Thanksgiving break than all the students are. But anyways, we should be thankful for Christmas break. Time to relax and rest. Number seven, leftover Thanksgiving food. Number eight, Thanksgiving football. Didn't you know Thanksgiving's about eating turkey, ham, sweet potatoes, mashed potatoes, green beans, stuffing, and pumpkin pie, and sitting down and watching football? <laughs> I mean, that's what our modern mindset in America says Thanksgiving's all about. <laughs> but we know that Thanksgiving is more than just the food that we're eating and the football that's on TV. Number nine, Netflix. Interesting. Number 10 is life. You know, I, I thought the article was really cool, but, but interesting. But, but one thing that I found that was striking to my soul is that there was never once a mention of Jesus or the Word of God or even church. I believe that we should be the most thankful for the God who created us and gave us life and gave us eternal life through what He did on the cross 2,000 years ago. If you aren't thankful for that, then man, there's no hope for you. I believe that verse number four tells us this key statement that I want to relay to you today. Being thankful is not God's suggestion. It's his commandment. 
Being thankful is not God's suggestion. It's his commandment. So far, we've looked at a lot of passages from the Old Testament to the New Testament about Thanksgiving this month. And today, I believe we're highlighting one of the one of the great Thanksgiving Psalms in the Old Testament. And I want you to know this, that in verse number three, verse number four, it says, be thankful unto him and bless his name. When we are thankful, we are commanded to God to be thankful and we are commanded to God to lift up our hearts and bless his name. In other words, to worship him. God wants us to lift up a thanksgiving praise and worship song from our hearts to him this week and every week that we live. Today, I want to ask and answer this question. Remember, our, our key thought for this whole month is gratitude is the best attitude. And how can believers, how can we develop an attitude of gratitude? Why? From this passage, I wrote down three thoughts of three ways um, that we can lift up a thanksgiving praise and develop a, an attitude of gratitude. From verse number one, would you look at verse number one? The Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. In fact, would you read that with me? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. I wrote down this first sermon statement today. A thanksgiving praise begins by singing with joyfulness. A thanksgiving praise begins by singing with joyfulness. That does not mean you have to play every chord right or every note right on an instrument. It does not mean that you have to sing every note right when you're singing. Because God knows the, the past 30 years in my existence that when I've struck a chord or I've tried to sing sometimes, listen, sometimes it doesn't come out the best. Okay, we're all there. But I want you to know this, that when we lift up a praise song to God from our hearts in worship, God accepts that. You know, I've been meditating on, on this thought. That just as somebody who's not a Christian could pick up an instrument and who's very gifted musically and could sing a song about Jesus and move us to tears. I've been thinking that, that you know, somebody could, could have a greater ability to play and sing than any of us here and all of us combined. But if they're not saved and they're not lifting up that song in a worship to God, God does not hear that song as awesome and amazing as it sounds. You could have a voice like Carrie Underwood. You could play the guitar like uh, Tommy Emmanuel. But hey, if you don't know Christ as Savior and you're not lifting up that song to God in worship, God doesn't hear it. God doesn't receive it as praise. So today I want you to know this, that when we are lifting up our voices to God and our hearts to God in worship, God sees that. And that's the first step of a thanksgiving praise. We have a lot we can be joyful about. And we have a lot we can be mad about. We have a lot we can be glad about too. But here, the psalmist, whatever he was going through, whether this was David or whether this was some other individual in the Old Testament, you know, we really don't know. But I know this, that, that the Bible says here, make a joyful noise. This is a command by God. It doesn't mean, it doesn't say that if you have been gifted with an amazing vocal box in your, in your throat to lift up a, a, a joyful noise to the Lord. No, the Bible says make a joyful noise to the Lord. My question for us is this, are we making a joyful noise to God in our worship? Is it joyful? You know, I know we're a, what they call a traditional church. I know that we sing from the hymnal and we have a traditional style in our worship. And that's fine with me. I, I like it and, and we like it. 
But I want you to know this, that, that whether we are more modern in our approach to worship or whether we're more uh, contemporary or traditional, the, I, I believe that sometimes we can get stuck in a rut, as they say. And we can go through the motions that we can just open up the hymnal and we can sing, have you been to Jesus? And we can sing, are you washed in the blood? We can sing what a friend we have in Jesus. We can sing about these songs just through the motions. But I want you to know that during this week, it's a reminder that whenever we're lifting up Praise to God, whether it's through this hymnal or some other book or some other song. We need to do it not in motions and not in a routine, but from our hearts to God. Sometimes we mistake praise and worship of just music. We can praise God through giving. We can praise God through preaching and teaching the Word of God. And I'm here to tell you sometimes that just as, as we go through the motions for church service, we know exactly what's going to happen in the order of services. Sometimes, sometimes I'm guilty of going through the motions of, man, I got I to preach this Sunday again. I got I to gotta preach this Wednesday again and again and again. And, and man, they're not listening. They're daydreaming. They're sleeping. They're going through. They're not listening to the message. But I want you to know this, that, that sometimes we all go through that routine. But we have to check ourselves on a regular basis. And whatever we're doing, we're lifting it up to God in joyfulness. Let's sing to him with great joy. That children's song, it says, I've got the joy, joy, Joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. We teach children that song, right? And sometimes, I'm not saying you need to be singing like this all the time with a, with a huge grin. Sometimes it's hard to sing with a huge grin. But what I am saying is that we should at least be happy when we're singing to God. A Thanksgiving praise begins by singing with joyfulness. Being thankful is not God's suggestion. It's his commandment. May I share with you a second thought? The second thought comes not from verse number one, but from verses two and three. I wrote down secondly, how can we develop an attitude of gratitude and how can we lift up a thanksgiving praise? Well, secondly, I wrote down this, a thanksgiving praise begins by serving with gladness. A thanksgiving praise begins by serving with with gladness. Look at verse number two. The Bible says serve. Would you say that with me? Serve. One more time, please. Serve. My question for us all today is, are we serving God in a specific manner? The Bible says serve the Lord. But in context, it says serve the Lord with gladness. Sometimes we get this idea. Sometimes I get this idea. Man, I got to do this and I've got to, man, I got to go over and see. Man, I got to go all these nursing homes, this, man, I got I to gotta go to this hospital and then this, I, I got to pray for, man, I got to pray for all these people, man, I got to, whoo, it's Saturday morning and I haven't even had time to prepare for my messages yet. Wow. But I want you to know this, it's not a got to in service to God, it's a get to. We get to serve the God who died on Calvary, the God who rose from the grave, we get to serve him. A servant is somebody who willingly lays down their life and offers it before their master. And today, church, we are the servants and Jesus is our master. Let us serve him. Not because we got to, but, but because we get to. Let us serve with gladness, with joyfulness, with happiness. He goes on to say, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. When we're serving God in a rightful mindset and a, and a right heart, I believe that it, it opens up joy. 
I believe verse number one is, is just a result for verse number two, that when we are singing and lifting up our voices and our hearts to God in praise, then we are wanting to serve God. What ministries are you serving in? I know that it's been a fast year. Like, it's already Thanksgiving week, and 2019 is hard to believe it's almost over, and we're gearing up for 2020. But as we're trying to end this, this year, I want you to know this. Let's end right. Let's end in a heart of worship to God, and let's end in a heart of service to God. And listen, you don't have to go to Bible college or seminary. You don't have to get all these uh, theological degrees to serve God. All you got to do is just come willingly to Jesus and offer your life before Him, and He'll use you. You don't have to be a man. You don't have to be a woman. You can be, in our society, you can be somewhere in between. <laughs> but listen, you can bring your, your whatever you have to God, and He can use you in a great way. Look at verse number 3. Verse number 3 is interesting. And in the midst of a song of praise, we find some theological truth in this verse. In fact, I wrote down a, a, a little side note from our message today, five biblical facts found in Psalm 100, verse 3. Look, it says, the first part says, Know ye that the Lord, He is God? This is God. Here's the first fact, or theological fact, found in Psalm 100. I wrote on this, Jehovah is God. Or in other words, God is God. By the way, whenever you read in the Old Testament and you see the, the, the word Lord, and it's in all capital letters, it's referring to Jehovah God. And in this passage, we know that this is the Old Testament dispensation, if you will. The New Testament has not begun yet. Jesus has not died on the cross yet. He hasn't rose from the grave, so the New Testament is not officially on yet, like it is right now. But in this chapter, we know that, and you go back and study the Old Testament, they did not know God through the name of Jesus. Now, there's plenty of names for God. He's the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He's the, the Rose of Sharon. We can list all of them out. But one of the names is, is the name of Jesus. That's how we know Him. But in the Old Testament, they knew Him as Jehovah God. And I I want you to know this, that the Jehovah of the Old Testament is the Jesus of the New Testament. Whenever you study the New Testament, you get into the Gospel of John and you read about the I Ams. The Bible says he said, I am the good shepherd. He said, I am the, the true vine. He said, I am that I am. Back in the Old Testament. And so Jesus, whenever he was going through the, all those I am's, he was literally going back and saying, hey, just as Jehovah God told Moses to tell them, I am that I am sent you, I am Jehovah in the flesh. The second fact is, is look, our society has really, really blown it on this one. As a whole, not just America, but all over the world. It says, it is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. God is the creator. In the midst of this psalm of praise, we see that the psalmist is lifting up the, his, 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 his writing and his heart to God. And he's saying, Jehovah, you are God. And Jehovah, you are my creator. The Bible tells us that in John 1, in John 1 that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. The Bible goes on to say the same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In other words, the word is Jesus Christ, and Jesus spoke the world into existence. He gave you life. He gave me life. He is the creator. He is God. And I want you to know this. The third fact is man did not create himself. Man did not create himself. There's this whole idea that, that life just came about over the product of 
just an accident or an explosion many, many billions of years ago. But I want you to know this, your life is not an accident. My life is not an accident. This, our whole world is not an accident. The, the stars in, in the galaxy are not, the planets and, and the solar system, the Milky Way, it's not an accident. Everything was placed by God. And it has a specific purpose for everything. If the world was just an inch closer to the sun, we would all burn up. If the world was just a, an inch further away from the sun and its orbit around the sun, then, then you know what? The, the Bible talks about how, how, how the earth, we, we would freeze to death. God has, is all over his creation. He's placed everything in a specific manner. And, and we are not an accident. We are not the product of Darwinian evolutionism, as some will say here in this passage. The Bible says that it is God who made us and not we ourselves. Then the Bible goes on to say, it says, we are his people. I wrote down this. We are the children of God. Now, yes, I know that every person, every man, woman, boy, and girl that was ever, whoever lived, ever is living, or ever will live, is in a sense a child of God because they are a product of the creation of God. But we are literally his children, his sons and daughters that he has adopted into his family, and now we are part of the family of God. So my question is, are you just a creation of God, or are you part of the family of God today? There is a difference. And then here, 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 here he goes in verse number three, he goes on to say, and the sheep of his pasture. We read that Psalm 23 where it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That is when God is our shepherd, he gives us everything we need. And here he literally says, the psalmist says, we are the sheep of his pasture. He is our shepherd. As Peter said, he is the great bishop and the great shepherd of our souls. He's looking out for us. He is our shepherd. We are the, his children. Man did not create, we did not create ourselves. God is our creator and Jehovah is our God. Verse number three. Why should we serve God? Because he is God. Why should we serve God? Because he is our creator. Why should we serve God? Because we do not create ourselves. Why should we serve God? Because we've been saved by God and he is our shepherd. That's why we should serve him. So are you serving him today with gladness or do you got madness written all over your face? May I share with you thirdly and finally from verses four through six, or excuse me, verses four and five, the last two verses. We've looked so far about a thanksgiving praise begins by serving with gladness and singing with joyfulness. But how can we discover this third step, this third thought? Well, verses four and five, I wrote down this. A thanksgiving praise begins by speaking with thankfulness. A thanksgiving praise begins by speaking with thankfulness thankfulness. Look at verse 4. The Bible says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Imagine with me we are sitting in the context of the Old Testament and we walk in to four main walls that had another building in it. And as we walk through those main walls, in a sense that is like going through the gates. So imagine you walk through the very front door and you're in the lobby. But then you enter into another set of doors and you go into the courts. You go into the place, what they call the sanctuary of worship, like we have here, a place set aside to worship God. And, and, and in our minds, in the Old Testament, the, 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 the temple, the tabernacle, all the different things were set up a lot different than what we have today. And, and, and when you begin to study it, you learn more about it. And, and, and the Bible says here that when we enter into his, into his gates, in other words, when we come before him in our worship, let's come with thanksgiving on our hearts. 
when we come into the palace of his royalty and his throne, let us bring praise and thanksgiving. I like that acrostic that we refer to, the Acts acrostic. You know, when we come into God's presence, let's, let's begin with adoration, then confession, then thanksgiving and supplication. So we adore him. That is, we lift his name up. We bring praise to his name. We, we tell him that how great he is and how amazing he is. How he, he is the amazing God of the universe. The omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God who, who resides and is sovereign above all. And then we confess before him. We, we bring our, our sins and we say, God, I have sinned against you in this area. Forgive me for the thoughts that I've sinned, for the words that I've said that are sinful and the actions that I've done that are sinful. Then we thank God. We say, God, thank you for changing my life. God, thank you for blessing me. And then, supplication, we bring our needs before him. That acrostic speaks of thanksgiving. I wonder, are we thankful today? The Bible says it's a direct commandment from Almighty God, from his throne, from his mouth, in his word. He's commanded us to be thankful. But look at verse 5. I like this verse. It tells us, Two specific things we should be thankful for. Verse 5 says, For the Lord is good. God is good. And He's good all the time. There's never been a time in history when God was not good. In fact, the Bible tells us that there is none good, no, not one. And when you begin to study the word good, it literally means morally perfect. And so literally I can say with great assurance that there is none on this earth that has ever lived or is living or ever will live who is morally perfect besides Jesus Christ. And the Bible says here that God is good and he's always good. In the Old Testament, he was good. In the New Testament, he's good. In the millennial kingdom, he's going to be good. In the tribulational period, he's going to be good. And in eternity, God is going to be good all the time. But then it says, his mercy is everlasting. So here's what I wrote down. Be thankful for God's mercy. Let's be thankful for God's mercy. We are here today. I am preaching to you today. You're sitting right there in that pew today. We, we have our children down in the fellowship hall today, downstairs, everywhere on our campus today because of the mercy of God. Today, we are not strung out on drugs, on an alcohol addiction, and in jail today because God has mercy on our life. Listen, we have the same flesh that every person who's addicted to all sorts of stuff who's in jail or prison today, we have the same flesh they do. And we are not there today because of God's grace and because of God's mercy. And today I'm thankful that the mercy of God found you and the mercy of God found me and changed us for all eternity. I like the Psalm 136. It's our psalm of mercy. And every verse of Psalm 136, it says, The mercy of God endures forever. God's mercy always has been, always is, and always will be. And when we get to heaven... We're getting there by the mercy of God. There's nothing that we can do to earn it. There's nothing that we can do to deserve it. Listen, I could come to the altar every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, and I could pray. I could list out my, my prayer requests to God. I could get every pastor in, in the Roanoke Valley to baptize me and to pray with me. and to, I could join every church in America and become members of all of them. But, but none of that is going to help me in my standing before God. It's only by God's mercy. Titus said it like this. That it's not according to our works of righteousness we've done, but according to his mercy that he saved us. 
So if you never experienced the mercy of God, today's your day, man. Today's your day, lady. God's mercy is searching for you. God's mercy is knocking on your door. And he wants you to experience it. But then check it out now. The very last phrase of the verse. It says, and his truth endures to all generations. So I wrote down this. Let's be thankful for God's truth. Not just for God's mercy, but God's truth. The greatest truth, I know, I know. People are going to think I'm crazy. People are going to think that, that I'm a little maybe old-fashioned. That Maybe I'm a little old-school. Maybe I'm way out in left field somewhere. But I believe the greatest truth in all the world is the book that I'm holding right now called the Bible. There is no truth that is more powerful than this book right here. There is no truth that is more praiseworthy than this book right here. There is no truth that is more precise than this book right here. Just study Bible prophecy and you'll find out how exactly precise this book right here is. This book that I'm holding in my hands did not just come into existence by chance. Forty different individuals on the space of three different continents over the time period of about 1,600 years penned these words by divine inspiration of the Spirit of God. And the interesting thing is when you study Genesis, when you study Jeremiah, when you study Matthew, when you study Acts, when you study Galatians, when you study Revelation, when you study it all, it all coincides and it does not contradict. This book is very precise, more precise than anybody in the world. And today I'm thankful for the truth that not just because it is truth, not because it tells us how we got here and where we're going when we die, but I'm thankful that this truth, as Jesus said in John chapter 8, that this truth right here is able to make you or set you free. And today, for the week of Thanksgiving, maybe you have nothing to be thankful for. But I tell you what you can be thankful for. You can be thankful that there was a time in your life when you were in bondage to sin. And God, through Jesus and His mercy and grace, set you free. Being thankful is not God's suggestion. It's His commandment. We began with that article about the 10 things to be thankful for. But I want to share with you, in conclusion, what I am thankful for. And I have three thoughts for you. I am thankful that I've been saved by the mercy of God. Therefore, I'm a Christian because of what Jesus has done for me. I am thankful that he has given me his word so that I can draw closer to him. And I'm thankful that I live in this nation right here so that I can freely share my personal opinions and my thoughts about the word of God on a weekly basis. Are you thankful today? I want to encourage you before the day is over to get, maybe, maybe during our invitation. Write down three things you're thankful for and then specifically thank God for them.
Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you and have a great week.